0: There was only two HBCU players selected in the XFL rookie draft. And yes, that's a low number, but no, it shouldn't surprise you. Oh yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you. Going on this journey with me, make a lock on HBCU. Your first listen of the day, every day, and remember, just because the mic cuts off, does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode will start off with a two-part conversation about the HBCU players trying or have already entered the XFL, and will close out with a conversation about Jackson State because they are weakening their SWAC opponents while also bolstering their own lineup. But we'll kick it off with the XFL draft because there was not many players from an HBCU who were drafted in this rookie draft. And honestly, quite frankly, that's not surprising. This is exactly what I expected. Maybe not two, because it was specifically two, K-Ron Kinsler and then also Robert Mitchell. So outside of Kinsler and Mitchell, no other person was selected. I wouldn't say I I bet on two. But what I will say, I didn't think it would be a lot. The fact that it's a low number fits directly in with what I expected to happen. And it's a couple of reasons for that. But honestly, this is not a story. Like, Like, I come on here to explain the low numbers, but this isn't a reason to be upset. That's the way I should phrase it. This isn't a reason to be upset, and I don't think many people are because we see the XFL as this just cherry on top. We we see the XFL as extra credit. So the more points that you get, the better, but even if the amount of points you get isn't much, it's still more than what you have playing professional football in general. So I think that's the way that we view it often as this league that is a second chance and they don't, they don't get held to any sort of quota. Let's put it that way. The XFL doesn't get held to a quota, and they shouldn't, but they don't. When you look at the NFL, we hold the NFL to a quota. If there aren't a certain amount of HBCU players drafted, we get up in arms. There's just a difference. The NFL is also the pinnacle of professional football. It's also something where we legitimately criticize and, and, and look at with scrutiny every single aspect of football. Every single aspect. And I don't just mean cover six and, and 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 passes up the seam. I don't just mean that. What I mean when I say every single aspect is all the way down to training camp and mini camps when people just put on their cleats. If this person didn't show up for voluntary workouts, we have an opinion on it. That's only going in the NFL. When it comes to these spring leagues, when it comes to college, when it comes to maybe not college, but I would say most colleges, unless you have your real devout fans, most of the time. We're just looking at who's playing on Sunday or on Saturday or Friday, whenever the game in that league will be played. We're not looking at all the ins and outs. We just care about what's going on on the field, on the game, right? So people aren't looking at the XFL. Some might not even know that it was only two players selected. However, even when there was a lot of selected players in the USFL, people weren't really tripping like that, but they also weren't extremely happy. But the reason this is truly a non-story is because this is not – And the reason I wanted to get in front of it is because I wanted to make sure that this was clear. This is not the XFL following suit with the NFL. A lot of people feel like the NFL has this thing against HBCU players. I think it goes a lot deeper than just they have a bias against HBCU players. But I think a lot of people feel that way. And I don't want the XFL not picking a lot of players to make you feel like they are now following suit after a year. The truth of the matter is there's two reasons, two reasons. And one is kind of similar but it first off starts with the fact that the options are low. You think about the XFL or the HBCU rookies that you would have liked to seen get selected outside of Kinsler and Mitchell. Outside of those, most of the people you're probably going to think of, if not all of the people that you're going to think of, are on an NFL roster, in the USFL, in the CFL. The XFL is the one league that isn't the NFL, of course, that isn't playing right now. So a lot of people are tied up in situations. Now, I don't know what the deal with the USFL will be. Maybe players who decide to come back, if they're good, they'll probably decide to stay in the USFL unless they get an NFL call-up. But maybe some players are on the fence and maybe they go to the XFL next year and they'll be eligible for the draft later on down the line. That's not just for the rookies. I don't know. But when you look at the timeline that this rookie draft happened, It's too late and too early at the same time. It's too late in the process, but that's because you just finished your season not that long ago. But the NFL draft happened. You still have camp bodies who aren't going to make the roster, probably won't even make the practice squad, but they're still there. And no, that's not a shot, and that's not specific to HBCUs. There are camp bodies from all schools. You can name an ACC school that has a simply camp body. That guy's not going to make the team. That person isn't available for the rookie draft because they haven't even got to the point of cuts in the NFL. You're too late in the scene in the sense that the USFL, the CFL have already scooped up people because they're playing right now. But you're also too early because they haven't had cuts in the NFL. Maybe if this rookie draft was in, I don't know, the middle of August. You would have a big, big, big uh, uh, pause. You might have a, a larger pool to select from, right? And because that just isn't the case, you're not going to see many HBCU players drafted. And then also, the thing is, like, HBCU players aren't going to be scouted first. That's not something that you should really be surprised about. That's not something you should probably even take personal. But they're not going to be selected first. That's just nine times out of ten, it just isn't the case. So get that through your head, right? (laughs) Let's just keep that. Let's just keep that all the way real. Um, And also not going to be looked at first. I was listening to a scouting podcast earlier. They talked about smaller schools and why those players just aren't selected as high. And let's just be real. That's going to happen. All right. So that's that. But let's look at Kinsler, who was selected by the Orlando Guardians. And then let's look at Mitchell, who was selected by the Las Vegas Vipers really quickly before we move on to the XFL showcase. Because I think that Kinsler has a little versatility. Honestly, both of these players do but they have a position that they're probably going to be best at. Kinsler is a heat-seeking missile. Kinsler is a player who runs and hits. That's why they call him the hitman. His physicality is one of his best qualities on the field. So naturally, you would want to keep him at his position of safety. However, however... I do think he might be able to slide down into the slot occasionally. I think he has a little bit of athleticism to be able to do that. So it will be interesting to see if he could. Now you look at Mitchell. Mitchell was a guard who at the Legacy Bowl during the one-on-one pass rushing drills switched over to tackle at, at times. He played both, but he played both. That's the point. I think he's going to be a guard, but he's shown himself to have the ability to play tackle. Of course, you also have to run block. You have to deal with a lot more things when you play it in-game. And in-game, that legacy bowl, he played guard specifically. I never saw him step out and tackle. But I think both of these players have a little bit of versatility, but also a very clear direction of where they should play. And that's Kinsler at safety for the Guardians. And then that's also Mitchell at guard, offensive guard, for the Las Vegas Vipers. Is it Las Vegas? Las Vegas doesn't sound right. It is Vegas. Probably because I just thought it Vegas. So to the Vegas Vipers. But going forward, there are players who simply were not selected. There was 80 picks. Only two of them were HBCUs. Clearly, they are still going to be a lot of HBCU players who are available, who just didn't make the cut, but they were able to showcase what they wanted to at the HBCU showcase in front of not only the co-founder, but then also, or the co-owner, but then also some of the executives of the XFL. And I'll break down why this is such a good second opportunity. As we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. It may be more now than ever that no sweat first bet. Is going to come in real handy because a lot of people can put money down on the NFL. A lot of people can put money down on the NBA. But guess what? Those are over. Now, of course, FanDuel is going to have you with your futures. Who's going to win this division? Who's going to win the finals next year? All of those things are still going to be there. So you can still put money down on your favorite sports. However, if you want immediate return, if you want money back quickly, you can't put money down on the NBA or the NFL. might take you taking a chance on, on golf. Might take that, you know, so I didn't, I I wouldn't know golf, but if I put some money down, I probably would lose. Thank God they have the first bet or the no sweat first bet. So go to fanduel.com slash locked on, take a gamble, roll the dice. And if that doesn't work, then maybe go to something more reliable with the money that they will give you back. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Make sure you are checking out the Locked on NBA mock draft leading up to the 2023 NBA Draft on Thursday. It's a six-episode first-round breakdown with all of the local experts. All you have to do is go to Locked On NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, and you'll see this special. I want to say I hope that you enjoyed your Juneteenth. I want to say that I hope you enjoyed your Father's Day. If you are a father, I hope you had the most relaxing day on Sunday. All right? Now, with all of that being said, I cannot wait to get into this because this XFL HBCU showcase is a true second chance and one that I think whatever your outcome was, you need to be proud in what you did. And I'm not here to give. I really don't like that consolation. I'm not here to pat nobody on the back. I don't know anybody there personally. None of those people are my friends. They're not. So I'm not here to just cheer you up because you didn't get invited to the XFL Combine. No, it's a sense that you need to be proud of your performance because it's probably going to be the last audition you get if you didn't get invited to the XFL Combine. I'm not saying, oh, good good for you. You did good. You were there. Man, get that out of here. Get that out of here. The XFL is in recruit mode. They're here to pull in any and everybody that they can. Think about it. You just had the rookie draft on Friday, right? The Friday, the Friday that just passed. The day after, you're in Atlanta, Georgia, XFL HBCU Showcase. The day after, you're in the Atlanta Showcase, right? You have Danny Garcia, the co-owner. You have some executives out there. You have some coaches out there. You done pulled out the whole game because you're here to recruit in new players for next season. I'm here for it. And you, know, you got guys like Chris Blair going to Atlanta. You got people who you want to send off to the NFL, so you need to recoup the talent that you lost. You need to recoup that. So with that being the case, with that being the case, you got to have these showcases, which are essentially pro days. They're essentially come out here and audition to get to the big audition to now have a spot. You know, that's that's all it is. It's regionals and nationals. That's what it is. These are regional showcases outside of the HBCUs, which is just everybody from everywhere. All these other showcases are highlighted by the city, whether that's Houston, San Antonio, Atlanta, whatever it is. It's the Atlanta Showcase, the Houston Showcase. Then you get to the XFL Combine. Now, I call them Pro Days and Combines because essentially they're the same. Essentially they're the same, right? But one's just national, one's more local. But you had coaches out there like D.C. Defender Head Coach Reggie Barlow, and it's still kind of odd for me to not mention his HBCU credentials when doing it, but you know what? HB, or excuse me, XFL Coach of the Year, Reggie Barlow, and when you look at what he was looking for outside of the Halle Berry, right? I almost messed up and said Halle Bailey because, you know, I'm I'm young, right? He shouldn't be looking at Halle, at Halle Bailey like that. But me, Halle Berry, right? Halle Berry, Halle Berry. Anyway, the Halle Berry test is essentially how do these guys look? Because. We've seen Halle Berry, right? So the thing is, how do these guys look in the shirts and shorts as far as athleticism, as far as how do they move, as far as their measurements, their numbers, all of those things? That's what I think of when I think of the combine, when I think of the pro day. That's what I think of. What I don't think of, because I'm a non-athlete, I sit up here and I talk about when I played football back in the day, when I was a linebacker, yes, I have some football experience, but I wasn't good enough to pass up high school, and my high school was long enough ago to where that experience really isn't credible anymore, in my personal opinion. I view myself as a non-athlete. That's what I view myself as. So from a non-athlete point of view, I would have never thought about showing how coachable you were during these type of events. Because I'm thinking about being perfect. I'm thinking about never messing up. Now, of course, I'm thinking about not letting that mess up because it's inevitable, just completely mess up my day. But I'm sitting here thinking about, I can't mess up. And if I do mess up, I have to go back to not messing up. But instead, Coach Barlow said, we're looking at how these players take instructions, how quickly they can imply apply instructions as well. And that was something I thought that was interesting because I never would have thought about it from that point of view. He said that if you can't, We say touch with your right hand, you touch with your left. No, you need to touch with your right hand, you touch with your left again. I'm going to think that you can't pick up my defense. You can't pick up my offense. You don't know how to grasp things on the fly. And when you look at those kind of things, it starts to make me think, what other intangibles are you looking at? Are you looking at a defensive back who messes up on a drill? Does it take him into the next drill where he's frustrated because you want a short-term memory for your defensive back, for your cornerback? Are you looking at a Quarterback who is doing X, Y and Z to show leadership. Are you looking at the mental processing of your inside linebacker? Because you understand he's the quarterback of your defense. And it's just things I weren't, I wasn't really thinking about when I'm thinking about combines and testing and drills of that nature. So I thought that was fascinating. But the goal is to get selected to the XFL Combine. The goal is to go from regional to national. The goal is to go from the small stage to the big stage in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, that's right. We on the map, baby. It's all the way in Arlington, Texas in the end of June. They're going to have showcases for basically a month, and it's all going to wrap up in Arlington at that XFL Combine. And there were five. Players, and I got this from off script, you had Edward Waters, running back Tyler King, Alcorn running back Stafford Anderson, Ramblin' linebacker Joshua Reed, North Carolina A&T linebacker Joseph Stuckey, and then Kentucky State defensive back Jai Nunn Liddell, a.k.a. nickname of the legacy bowl, Jai Nunn Little. Now what you see there is running backs and linebackers were impressive. Running backs and linebackers, you have four to five are running backs and linebackers. Then you have Liddell, who is a hard hitter. So. The people who bring the thump are the people who are brought in. I'm not saying that's a a quality that they're looking for. It just is a pretty interesting coincidence that I thought I'd mention as well. So for those players who weren't able to make it, and this is kind of to what I alluded to in the beginning, you need to be proud of what you did because it's likely, that's going to be your last thing. It's going to be your last showcase. It's going to be your last attempt to show that you belong in the XFL or to just have your numbers out there and show that you belong somewhere else. Right? Because here is the thing, at the end of the day, here is the thing. I highly doubt that they went to every single coach, every single executive, and to co-owner Garcia and said, because co-owner Garcia, she was the one who was delivering the news. Everybody has to agree on this player for them to make it to the showcase. Maybe the majority, maybe, maybe. But I highly doubt that every single coach had to give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. So what that means is, and I'll use Coach Barlow, for example. I'm sure there's going to be players who didn't get invited to the XFL Combine who Barlow says, I like that player, though. He didn't get invited, but I like him. And there's going to be players who got invited to the Combine who Barlow says, eh, he didn't pass that, that Halle Berry test. He didn't pass that. And why is that important? That's important because all it takes is a single team. All it takes is one team to say, hey, we like that player. And if you showcase your 4-6, right, and like let's say you're tied in or something like your 4-6, your 4-4, let's just use a time that's impressive for all. Um, You showed your 4-4, but you just didn't get selected. You got to trust that your 4-4 impressed somebody. That's what you got to trust. I I firmly believe in not beating myself up before the fact and trying not to beat myself up after the fact. You just got to trust that if you feel like you did as best as you could, that was enough for somebody, whether it's Coach Barlow, whether it's for the defending champions, Arlington Renegades, and Coach Stoops to say, hey, we like this person. We going to put him in. Are we going to take a chance on him? Well, that's free agency or the draft at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. I can't remember. You just have to hope that you did enough. Because if you didn't, that's it, buddy. <laughs> And then maybe that could tear you up. Then then maybe that could tear you up after the fact. But going forward, speaking of tearing things up, it seems like Jackson State is trying to build up their women's basketball team, but then also tear down their opponents at the same time. It's an interesting strategy that I don't know if I've seen before, but Zakiya Mahoney is the latest example of Jackson State employing or in, in using that tactic. And we'll divide, And we'll dive into that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. So do not miss it. Do not miss it. Do not miss it any day. I I really do hope you don't. Now, Jackson State women's basketball team is tearing down the SWAC opponents by building up their own. And what do I mean by that? For the second time this offseason, they have used the transfer portal and taken a swack player and brought them to their women's basketball team. And the latest one is Big Five alumni, Zakaya Mahoney, out of Mississippi Valley State. And if you've ever wondered why I say Big Five alumni, it's because my favorite number is five. It's kind of hypocritical, what I'm about to say. But back in the day, I used to wear five long, even longer ago than high school. But I just grew an affinity for the number. And now people who play well in the number five get the Big Five alumni title attached to them. So Big Five alumni, Zakiya Mahoney, out of Mississippi Valley State, has now transferred not only within the SWAC, but has also transferred within the state of Mississippi, going from Mississippi Valley State to Jackson State. And like I said, this is not the first time that Jackson State has done that this offseason. Andriana Avent from Texas Southern. And I spoke about it, so I understand why she left. This at TSU, go to JSU, much brighter future. I get it. Trust that. I get it. When you look at Zakaya Mahoney and we look at what she's able to provide, they have a little bit of similarities in circumstance. They both are scores, but then mostly in circumstance, they were both injured last year. Now, I'm not trying to say that they were injured in the same way because you look at how the injury affected Avent versus Mahoney and Word to Jules and Pulp Fiction. It's not even in the same ballpark. Avent had injuries that cost her a couple of games that I feel like kept her out of the all SWAC nominations, right? First or second team. Mahoney missed her whole year. She played eight games. So because of that reason, we're not going to use last year's numbers. It's not enough of a sample size, but we will use 2021, 2022. Those are the years that we are going to use. And outside of being a scorer, because she did do that, she's a reliable scorer. Two times, the two times she played a full season or mostly a full season, she actually led Mississippi Valley State in scoring. So she knows what it's like to lead a team. She knows what it, she knows what it's like to have. I'm not gonna say on her or carry it, but she knows what it's like to be counted on as a scorer. And you want to bring that into your team. Same with Avent, but then also she's a really good rebounder, over 100 rebounds each year led the team in rebounds in 2021, stands 5'9", so she's pretty tall. You're looking at a player who, in addition to scoring and rebounding, also averages about a steal a game. So you're looking at a player who has three aspects of the game that she can impact, and when you look back at the scoring, we look back at the scoring, in 2021, the first year she was with Mississippi Valley State, she shot 40% from three. And I don't know if she can wheel it back and shoot 40% again, but if you can, That's another thing that Avent was really good at. So you have Avent shooting the three-pointer. You have Mahoney shooting the three-pointer. And I think it's 24. I can't remember her name at the moment, who's already on the team. I believe she should be coming back next year, who also shoots the three pretty well. So you have three women on Jackson State women's basketball team that know how to shoot the three. You might be building a decent little offense there. But the last thing that I'll look at is Jackson State because they're breaking down their opponents. Mississippi Valley State is going to lose a little bit of luster from losing a player like Mahoney. Maybe a little less than TSU will for losing Avent, because Mahoney was already gone for a season. But overall, you're making Texas Southern weaker. You're making Mississippi Valley State weaker. You're hoping that you're making yourself stronger. But if you're looking at it on a a kind of just a comparison, right? Let's say that Jackson State is at the top, and there's a gap in between Jackson State and then. Mississippi Valley State and TSU. You're hoping that you go up and they go down, but likely at the worst, they go down. Either way, the gap is widening, whether it's because you're improving or because they're, or because, oh, excuse me, or because they are worsening. I don't remember the last time I've seen somebody take this tactic. I love when players transfer within the conference. But on a basketball team, when you have five starters, five players on the court at one time to take two players from a swack rival, pretty good nod. Now, in tomorrow's episode, we'll be discussing Blue Blood's FCS All-American list. We were supposed to do that today, but I felt like the XFL showcase and the XFL rookie draft decided, you know, with it being on Friday, I thought it should take a little bit of precedent coming in on Tuesday. So like I said, I hope you enjoyed your Juneteenth. I hope you enjoyed your Father's Day, and I appreciate you for coming off of those and enjoying the start of the 20th with your boy. So, if you're looking for me in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.